It is a nice, fresh, cold Sunday. Uh, it's really good to be in God's house, and I'm pumped to be here with you and to share out of God's Word this morning. So let's, let's trust God this morning that He just opens our hearts and our minds to receive what He has prepared. So Heavenly Father, we just thank You, Lord, for Your Word. We know it's Your most authoritative Word, Father God. You've spoken the beginning from the end. And so today, Father God, even as we speak from the Word, let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Father God. May it open our hearts. May it align us with the will that You've intended this message for, Father God, and that we get on mission for You in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Look to the person next to you and say, Are you on mission? Are you on mission while you take your seats? It is it's the best seat in the house. Come on, worship. Didn't you enjoy worship this morning? And thank you. I just, I love the fact that we get to worship God together in unity. Uh, get used to it because that's pretty much what we're going to do in heaven. Uh, we're going to worship God together in unity and it's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss out and you don't want your friends to miss out. So go and invite them and tell them to be here as well uh, so that we can get everybody there and we can throw one massive eternal party. Hey? Come on, we, we're in our um, last week of... Um, Built to last. And I'm going to be speaking on the mission. And so I'm talking about church and I'm talking about us and what we got to get activated for today. You know what? We only get one chance at this. You only get one chance here on earth. And the, the thing is, I don't know about you, but I want to live it with purpose. I want to live it that I can change something. I want to make sure that my time here is used uh, for the glory of God. And so I believe that we need to live on mission. And so the title this morning is to live on mission, to live uh, your life with a conscious intention to share the gospel with those people around you. Why? And I'm just going to give you my end point right now. Why? Because Jesus' last command should be our first concern. The very last thing he left with us should be our very first thing we think of, the very first thing that drives us every single day. So I've got four points that I'm going to be speaking on today, and I'm just going to jump straight into them. And so if you want to live on mission, um, here's four ideas that you could apply to your life to live on mission. Remember, the preaching is never a guilt trip. So I want to let you know this. The point of this is never to put anybody in a guilt trip. I believe our Christian walk is about progress. And at some point in our life, we are somewhere on our journey. But the idea is to keep progressing and to keep going on progress. So the point is, it's not a guilt trip. It's a progression idea. And it's for you to measure where you stand at the moment and what you can do to take your next step. So the first point this morning is allow the Bible, first of all, to frame your story. One of my favorite scenes is from a movie uh, called Narnia, and it's from the, 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 the second one, which is called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. This is, in, in the story of Narnia, uh, these, two, these three kids are in this room, and they're staring at this painting, and this painting comes to life. And so whilst they're there, their cousin Estes is badgering their cousins about the stupid idea that Narnia doesn't exist. When all of a sudden, as they're standing there, water starts to pour through this picture. Any of you ever seen that movie? Come on. Uh, C.S. Lewis, amazing uh, stories that he's written. And so this picture, why am I telling you this? Let's show you. Come on, can we get it up on the screen? Lucy, have you seen this ship before? Yes. It's very Narnian looking, isn't it? Yeah. Well, just another reminder that we're here and not there. 
There once were two orphans who wasted their time believing in Narnia nursery rhyme. Not so fascinating about that picture anyway. It's hideous. Edmund, it looks like the water's actually moving. What rubbish, see? That's what happens when you read all those fanciful novels and fairy tales of yours. Edmund, the painting! the rest of that movie where you guys are like come on just let, just a little bit more just a little bit more uh, come on if you want to go watch that movie it's really cool I love that story of Narnia you know in the first episode of Narnia they actually enter this this world through a portal through a cupboard but this particular one they enter this world Narnia through a picture frame and and really what Narnia is it's a portal to a different reality Narnia is a, a different space that is ruled by a lion king called Aslan. And what's so significant is that you see that the picture frame reframes their reality. But it also reframes who they are. You see, Peter, Susan, Edmund, Lucy in England are just boys and girls. But the minute they step through this picture, they become royalty. And they become kings and queens in the story. And I believe that that's the Bible for us. The Bible is when we actually step into the story of God, we become royalty. It changes, it redefines our, our, our picture, it redefines who we are. I mean, the first thing is it redefines our reality, right? The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. But it is God who reveals these things through His Spirit. We can also see that the Bible redefines our possibilities, Right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we also see that the Bible reframes who we are when we step into it. In all these things, we are more than conquerors for Christ who loved us. Let me cut to the chase. I think a lot of us, our Bibles are a lot like picture frames. They, they hang around and sometimes we take a glance at it. I don't think all of us but I do think at times, even in my life, there's been times that my Bible's pretty much around, but it's like a pretty picture standing on there. And it's as stagnant as the status quo. You see, sometimes I even pick it up and read it. And that's about as far as I go. But you know what we should be doing? We should be reading it and doing what it says. James actually tells us this, it says, but do not just listen to God's word, you must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. How many of you are hearers of the word here? Come on, today. How many of you want to be doers of the word? Hey? How many of you want to allow the word to transform you? You see, the word is not about knowledge, it's, it's about application. The word doesn't only inform us, it should transform us from the inside out to do something. It should get us on mission, it should activate us for what God has installed and intended for us. Because all of this, if all you do is listen to what God has to say through His word, all you're doing is further educating yourself beyond your obedience. 
And the Bible is activated through obedience. It's when we activate and do what the Bible says. So I love you guys. I really do. And this is not to put you on a guilt trip. But ask yourself, where are you in that progress? Where are you in your progress of allowing the Bible to read it, to study it, to activate and transform you so that you live it out? So one thing is we can see that the Bible frames our mission. But the second thing is that you have been uniquely gifted by God for the mission. He's uniquely gifted you. You know, God is so good that he doesn't just want us to miss out on the big points in life. You see, God doesn't want us to be confused. He doesn't want us to be limited. He he wants us to live a life that is ignited by the passion that he has for us, for the mission that he's intended us to. And so we got to realize that we don't want to miss out on what God has designed us for. You are uniquely designed for God's purpose and you are ready for this mission. If you don't think that you're equipped, you are equipped because you're breathing right now and God created you. He put you on this earth for a purpose. And we are uniquely designed to come together that when each one of us are not stronger than all of us when we come together, each one of us have been gifted. Each one of us have a purpose, but it's how we frame our purposes. And so God wants to give us a bigger picture of that life. So the big, it's bigger than a job, it's bigger than a calling, and it's bigger than a lane, it's bigger than a stewardship, it's bigger than your career. And you know what that is? It's purpose. How many of you know God's purpose for your life? I'm going to take a swing at it. I bet I know. Your purpose is to know God and make Him known. That's your purpose, to know God and make Him known. And I don't know about anybody here today. I don't want to miss out on what God has, has in store for me as He uses me as I'm obedient to His call. And so I want to tell you a quick story about Jesus tells. He uses this example about a guy that used his unique gifts. He does it in a parable, and it's in Luke chapter 12, 16. And it starts like this. It says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. How many of you know people like this that are just killing it in their industry? They are killing it. They are slaying up. They are every single day. They are just, it's like you go, wow, that guy's gifted. (laughs) You were born to do this. How many people know, you know people like that? This guy, Jesus starts his parable saying, this guy knows what he's doing. He's been gifted, and he's crushing it. So he goes on to say, The ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. There's a lot of humility in this part. It's like, have you ever met that person where you don't have to tell them how good they are? They'll just tell you themselves. And this guy's like, I'm so good. I'm so blessed. I don't even know where to store it all. I mean, we can see that this guy is, knows what he's doing. And you've got to love him. Hey, I'm so blessed. I don't even know where to store it. But he gets this idea. Because he doesn't know how to store this. He gets this idea, and the Bible goes on from verse 18. He says, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus of grain, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Drink and be merry. 
Now, here's a guy who's accomplished something in life. He's successful. Like he's, he, he's run his business so well. The fruits and the abundance is obvious to everyone around him. He's done well. He's gifted and he's used his gift and he's done well with it. But here's how Jesus ends the story in verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. Hectic. You fool. This very night your life will uh, be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You see, what God wants to do is to release you to, to do great things and whatever you are uniquely designed for. But that's not enough. You see, God's saying, I don't want you just to do great things and end your life feeling like you've been successful. I want you to live on purpose and for a bigger purpose. It's not just for you to achieve. It's to achieve the will that God's intended for us. He wants you to stand at the end of this life as you're staring into the eternity of, of heaven, and he wants you to go, God, I am so glad that you gave me a clue on this through your word. God, I'm so glad that I had an opportunity to be part of something bigger. As I'm looking, I'm going, wow, God, you were so kind to invite me in on this, that you used my unique gifts for what I had laid up on earth, Father God, for your purpose, and it's amazing, and I can't wait to see it. I don't know about you, but how many of you want to end life like that? Hey, not just store up and do life and succeed, but make a bigger difference to live on life with a purpose to be on mission. Whatever you do, bring glory to God. And what we've got to aim for is pretty much this. It's to win people for Jesus. It's to use your platform that you have in your every day. You're getting up, you're going to work, your school. It's to use the platform God's given you to broadcast Jesus. He wants us to live our lives. Our actions create a platform. Your actions and your, your, your actions, the way you live, creates a platform to allow you to share Jesus. Romans 10 verses 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing the good news, and the good news comes by talking about it, preaching it. But I love how St. Francis Assis says this. He says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. I am not suggesting you get to work on Monday morning and go, y'all coming to a church service, 8 a.m., all the staff are here, and then you're like, oh. And you start going, this isn't like a Holy Joe moment. This isn't this Christian knees kind of thing. This is about you applying and activating the Word of God in your life and living your life in a way that becomes a demonstration to others. Preach the gospel at all times and if sometimes, use words. Live it out. We are called to live out this purpose for what God has intended us for. We have an opportunity to share Jesus in such a broad way, to share him in our lives, to share him in our workplace. You know, I've got this prayer. I don't know if you've got this prayer that I pray every day. God, can we reclaim all of our schools in Jesus' name? Reclaim all the schools for Jesus, that there will be a Christian curriculum, that kids will be raised in the ways of the Lord, so when they're older, they won't depart from it. And you know, I had the sense the other day, and Jesus said, that's not what I want. Because I don't just want that. I want everything to be reclaimed for the name of Jesus. I want workplaces. I want orphanages. I want our cities, our politics. I want everything to be reclaimed for Jesus. But it's up to us to use our platform that you're uniquely designed for 
to live this out in a way that brings glory to God. And that's what's important. You see, your work and your ways will give you a platform for, for your witness and your winnings. But let me just put this out there. Make sure that your work is stellar. Because if your work is dodgy, your witness is dodgy. We need to live our lives in a way that brings great witness to God. So not only does the word activate us, it frames us. Not only are we uniquely designed, but if you're going to live on mission, you need to know that you need a little bit of courage and you need a little bit of faith. And that's my third point. You need a little bit of courage and you need a little bit of faith. And I think this is the point that I, that, that I want to remind you, that these stories in the Bible are not stories just written years ago. These are microcosms of what God wants to activate in your life today. He wants you to live this out in your very moment. Not to talk about the stories of yonder, but to live the Bible out in our very lives. I think for some of us, we need an exodus. We need need to leave something if it's not drawing us closer to the mission. And we need to go on Exodus. And maybe for some of us, we need to come back to Jesus. Maybe for some of us, we need a resurrection from our dead life to a new life with Christ. And maybe for some of us, we need to tell our stories. We need to come back to God. We need God to do in our lives what He does in the stories of the Bible we need to have testimonies in the way that we live our lives. And we've got to enter the picture frame. We've got to enter this picture frame and allow God to transform us through His Word. How do we do that? By faith? Wow, oh, that's so simple. It's as simple as that. It's by believing. It's by faith. As we follow Christ and we enter into His picture frame, we enter the game that He's equipped us for. And he gives us his mission statement. Matthew 28. Um, It's quite a cool picture, this, that um, Jesus is about to leave, and it's 40 days after his um, resurrection. And it's the last chapter of the book of Matthew. And he leaves the disciples with this command, with this this call to action, with this mission. And um, before he returns to the Father. And it's... It's, whilst it's their mission statement, it's our mission statement too. And it's called uh, the Great Commission. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, they worshipped him. But some doubted. How many doubters here today? How many of you feel that you're not being Christian enough or being faithful enough because you're doubting what God's plan is for you? These were the disciples that ate miracles with him. These are the disciples that handed out fish, saw the miracle, ate a miracle. How many of you ever eaten a miracle? Some of them doubted. You know what? A lot of us are going to be, are going to be doubtful because doubt is part of the process. But I want to re- remind you, whichever one you feed is going to grow. And that's why God calls us to faith. Because when you feed faith, you shrink doubt. But when you feed your doubt, you'll shrink your faith. And you'll believe it's not possible. Some doubted. So I want to release you today to let you know, go and feed your faith. Doubt is going to be there. I don't think that there are doubters and believers. I think there's doubters and then liars. (laughs) Because 
anybody sitting here today cannot tell me that there's not one time in your life that you've doubted. I think we all experience that. But it's okay. We just got to feed the faith. Is that good? Come on. Some doubted. Where am I? <laughs> Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. From verse 19, it goes and said, therefore go and make disciples. Look at the person next to you and say, go and make disciples. Go and, no, you guys, th- this is not missional. I reckon if Jesus was standing up here and said, look to the person next to you, go and make disciples. Well, how would you do it? Go and make disciples. Come on, look to the person next to you. Go, go and make disciples. Come on, that's what we've got to do. We've got to activate ourselves. We've got to get enthusiastic about this. I love this. Such a simple command. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, there are people that can take um, simple things and make them super complicating. You all know somebody like that. Hey, that person, you go like, where are we now, okay? I know I do that to our team sometimes, and James is like, uh, can we just go back? <laughs> and then you get people that can take complicated things and make them so simple to understand. Nobody does it better like Jesus. Nobody does it better than Jesus. You see, he takes 613 commandments out of the Old Testament and he sums them up into a simple form and it is known as the greatest commandment. And Matthew 22 says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It's the greatest commandment. Just love the Lord your God. Secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. So simple. That's what we've got to do. Love God, love others. That's Jesus' last commandment to us. Love God, love others. Drop the mic. I didn't even need to preach much more than that. How many of us are loving God and loving others? You see, love God, love people. Let's do that. Let's keep doing that. You know, Billy Graham says this. He says, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and God's job to judge. But it's our job to love. How many of times do we get those mixed around <laughs> as Christians? Eh? I find that whenever I'm trying to do God's job, it never ends well. Judging others never ends well. Convicting others never ends well. Your job is to love. And God, Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. And it is God's job to judge. You know, along with the simplicity of the greatest, um, the greatest commandment is this greatest commission. The greatest commandment, simplified. Love God, love others. And then Jesus gives it so simply here in the greatest commission as we read earlier. It's his last words Christ had before he ascended. And it basically, it's what the disciples lived by every single day. You see, the, the mission trip was a massive camping trip for them. And they saw Jesus perform these miracles. But so simply put, the mission of God is two words. Make disciples. Love others, love God, love love others, and make disciples. Where are you in that progress? In the process of your journey, where do you fit at this? And if you're not where you need to be, you can build a game. 
Andre said that to us the other day. He was like, you feel like you've reached a rut and you feel like it's the end and you don't know what else to do. It's okay. You can build again. But you just need to keep building, keep moving. You know, um, I want to tell the story quickly. 2007, Abby and myself go to Titsikama in this like really cool log cabin. It was Actually, we saw photos of it the other day. I was like way more ripped then, less wrinkles and a lot more hair. And Abby still looks amazing. <laughs> but we, um, we, <laughs> she Uncle Patch, he just, he, Abby gives him free food, by the way. That's, <laughs> but we, we're at this place, and I don't tell Abby that I'm, we're going to go and jump locrons tomorrow. So, so I tell Abby, she knows I'm jumping. She's like, oh, I'm not jumping. You mad? I'm not jumping. So anyways, get to Blowcrans. I go into the office quickly, and um, I pay for her in faith. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be cool. I'm not going to do this alone. I'm going to so pay for it. But how many of you ever done Blowcrans here? Anybody here that's jumped that bungee jump? So what you do is you pay for it, and then you've got to go walk across this grid, across a bridge. And this grid looks like a bride grid that you're walking on, and it literally is high. I think it's one of the highest bungee jumps in the world or something like that. And as you're looking down, Abby starts crying, and I'm like, just pushing, it's okay, don't worry, just like this, like, you're going to be all right. So we get to the middle of the bridge, and Abby's like, I don't really don't want to do this. I'm like, you're going to be fine, it's going to be all right, you're going to do this. And she's stressing out, and they're busy strapping her out, she's going like, she looks at me and goes, when are they going to do the orientation? And I'm like, she looks at the guy and goes, when do I get the orientation? He says, no, 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 there is no orientation. There's just a simple rule. He goes, what? You're not going to tell me how you're going to save my life in case anything goes wrong? No, there's no orientation. Just hop to the edge and jump off. That's the rule. And whilst it didn't seem like a lot of information at the time, if you actually think about it, that's all the information she needed. So anyway, she gets to the end of the thing and she goes, hops in. She did that a few times. So I'm not going to repeat it as many times. But eventually, I just said, can I go there with her and just talk it? And she'll be like, we're going to count to, to three. Are you ready? One. <laughs> and she was like, ah! She came out and she loved it. She was on fire. She's like, oh, it's the craziest thing I've ever done. I think out of the craziest things she's ever done in her life, that probably tops it. And, and if you think about it, she was so scared because she wasn't given the orientation, but all she needed was just simple information. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. Hop to the edge and jump off. A lot of us in our mission, we just need a little bit of courage and we just need a little bit of faith. We don't need a massive orientation plan. Can I get the six points to how to become the better disciple? Somebody train me, put some sort of organization together. That's not what Jesus gave the disciples. He gave them a simple instruction. He said, I'm leaving. And like, where are you going? He said, no, you leave. you're leaving us to do this on your own. He goes, no, not on your own. I said, I'll be there till the end of the earth. But you're going to do this. And all they needed was a little bit of courage. And a little bit of faith. They didn't need a massive training manual to get going. He simply said, make disciples. And for us, we need to activate and step into that space. We need to, in our workspaces, are you letting the Word of God frame you? Are you uniquely using what God's designed you to do? And are you discipling people? Are we getting people on mission? A little bit of courage, a little bit of faith. G.K. Chesterton says this, Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. Some of us walk away from our Christian and go, that's just too hard. Well, I want to let you know, discipleship 
is not an insurance plan. It's a dangerous plan. <laughs> the disciples knew this. Do you know 11 of the 12 were martyred for their faith, but they kept going. We need to remember that God has called us to do this, and we need to step into the Father's business. And the Father's business is risky business, but we've got to keep moving. Why? Because there's a deadline to this. So my point is just go make disciples. Love God, love others, and make disciples. Can I get the worship team up? You know, making disciples isn't a curriculum. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with people around you. It's living the Word of God through your life and taking people and inviting them on the journey, attracting them to what God has in store for them. So my last mission is this. If you want to live on mission, you need Jesus' last command should be our first concern. His last command should be our first concern. You know why? Because you can't attend a mission. You can only serve in a mission. And a lot of Christians attend the mission every Sunday. They attend But that's not missional. What makes you missional is when you serve in the mission. It's when we get involved in what God wants to do. You see, we take God's word literally and figuratively. But God wants us to take his word literally and personally so that we can become intentional in what we do. You know, we got an incredible youth ministry. We were just raving about testimonies this, this morning in the prayer meeting, about how God's just moving in our youth at the moment. It's just, it's so amazing to see God do that. We've got this, Saki, our worship pastor, um, our youth pastor, who also ends up worship, and Kaya, his soon-to-be wife. Come on, they're getting married soon. Come on, thank you, Jesus. They're making a difference in your kids' lives, but I want to let you know that it's not up to them to raise the morals and values in your kids' lives. It's up to you in your home to raise that in your kids' lives. And so whilst we want to come alongside you on the journey because Christianity is teamwork, we need you to play your part. In Luke 15, Jesus gives three parables. He talks about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. But in in that parable, he talks about leaving the 99 to find the one. Okay, do you know what the church's mission is? It's to find those that are not here yet. It's to find the lost people and bring them to God's house. It's to activate the mission. It's a party for those who come to Christ. Do you know that the heaven actually says that anyone that comes home, says that heaven and the angels blast out into a praise party. Do you know what our job as a church is? To start heavenly praise parties. Let's be the one when we get to heaven and go like, Chish, we partied hard because of that view, church. You guys kept reaching people. You kept going out into the world. You kept bringing them in. Their lives kept being changed. It's crazy. We just kept partying. That's the church we want to be. A church that is a party starter in heaven. We exist for those that are not here yet. You know, in the military, there are different types of departments in the military. You get those that are on a combat mission. You get those that are on a humanitarian mission. You get those that are on an ops mission or intelligence mission. The church is a search and rescue mission. We're a search and rescue operation that goes out and kicks down the gates of hell to bring people 
into eternity with Christ. And how do we do that? Simple. Invite. Invite people on the journey with us. The church is a search and rescue mission. I'm going to close with this quickly, but the gospel is the good news, and we all know that, right? But it's only the good news so long as it gets to people on time. There's a time when Jesus is going to come back again. And that good news is not going to mean anything at that time. The good news is only as good as getting it to them on time. I was in uh, London on a business trip and I was staying at the Cumberland Hotel in Oxford Street and I wanted to go for a quick sightseeing thing in the morning. So I asked the receptionist, where is London Bridge? And she said, well, you go down there. It's about seven k's down the road. And she's a liar. I prayed for her. Because I went running and I was like, I didn't see London Bridge at 7Ks. And I was like, what? So I kept running. At 12Ks, I saw London Bridge. And then I realized I had to get back for work. I had to start work. I had another 12Ks to run back. And I think on my watch, I clocked something like just under four minutes a K, sprinting back because I knew there was a start line to my job that day. I knew my boss was going to be sitting in the foyer and I didn't want to arrive with my stinky bum in that foyer and go, I'm still going to go shower. I knew there was an action. There was a timeline. There was a deadline and I couldn't let it go. So I ran. There was an urgency to what I did. There's an urgency to our mission. We need to get there on time. Funny stories at breakfast, I show them all a picture of London Bridge. They go, that's not London Bridge. I said, that's Tower Bridge. You ran too far. I was like, what? They're like, you wouldn't even notice London Bridge because it isn't that great. But my point is this, is that I knew there was a timeline to get to something on time. There's a timeline to our mission and we've got to get going. So if you want to activate, it's pretty much like this. If we can bring that last slide up, my love. That's my daughter on projections, by the way, in case you thought I was calling you, my love. The Bible says that Christ gave Himself the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip God's people for service so that the body of Christ may be built up. How is the body of Christ built up? We can go to that slide quickly. The last um, one with the little dot. We, we are always in this phase in our Christian world. We are attracting people. We're inviting them to come and join. Come and see what God has done. Share your testimonies with the world. Come and invite them. But then you get them to attend. And when they attend, they come to a Sunday service or they come to growth track. But many Christians stop there. And then we go, I'm doing this walk with Christ. No, you're just attending the mission. You see, you've got to get engaged in the mission. And when you're engaged in the mission, you join a place to serve in the mission, in your workplace, in your schools, on a dream team, in a view group. You are now engaged in the mission and ready to serve. And that takes us to our next step where we become missional and we start to invite people to it again. Where are you on that journey at the moment? And I want to pray for you today that God would activate the mission in your heart. You are made on purpose and for a purpose. And God wants to use you. He doesn't need to use you. He wants to use you. It's better with you. We're better together. I'm going to ask us just to close our heads. We're not going to go into the worship song now. Thanks. We run over time. But if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment quickly. 
Um, I just want to pray for anybody that if something was activated in them today and you just say, God, I need more of your help. Will you guide me? If that is you, don't you want to just pop your hand up so I know who I'm praying for this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that it's your Holy Spirit that activates something in our hearts that convicts us, rebukes us, but reminds us of the power of the cross and puts our eyes back on you. And so, Lord, we want to put you first in every area of our lives, Father God, including being mission, including loving you, loving others, making disciples. So I pray, Father God, for an anointing on our words and a wisdom and a discernment to know when to do it. I pray, Lord, that as your word activates our lives, that the transformation will not only be something that's understood, but seen by others. And I pray for each and every person here this morning, Father God. Will you bless them? Will you prepare in their hearts now, Father God? Will you kindle together and start to fan into flame what you've purposed them for in Jesus' name? If you're here this morning and you haven't got a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to enter into a relationship with Jesus. This is not, it's a decision you make, but it's not something you can earn. Jesus paid the price on the cross. All you can do with salvation is receive it. And what you do is it's almost like Jesus standing at your heart in front of the big door that is closing your heart to everything that just feels like you're trying to protect yourself and you. And it's just opening that door to Jesus this morning and allowing Him to step in. It says He stands at the door of your heart and He knocks. And those that open and receive Him, His immediate life change. And if you want to experience that life change, I encourage you to join on a relationship. It's your very first step and it's the best step you'll ever make. If that is you this morning and you want to open that door to Jesus this morning, on the count of three, don't you just want to give me a wave so that we can celebrate, pray, and then celebrate with the angels as they celebrate. Because we're about starting parties in heaven. So if that is you, one, God so loved the world. Two, that He gave His only beloved Son. Three, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's you. You can just give me a quick wave so that I can see who I'm praying for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Touch hearts. Move in your people. Church, why don't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I think we can do better than that. Lord Jesus, we love you. I recognize that I don't get it right all the time, that I fall short of your glory and that sin separates me from you. But Lord, I don't want to live in that space anymore. Lord, I'm going to ask you to come into my heart this morning. Will you transform me from the inside out? And I want to serve you for the remainder of my days. If you said that prayer, can you just let out a praise for all of those? Come on, can we worship? Thank you, Jesus. Amen for anyone that said that prayer. God bless you. Have an amazing day.